Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, ito po si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast mula sa Quezon City. Kasama po natin si Attorney Ted Te, former Supreme Court spokesperson, now back teaching at the UP College of Law. In Te Talks, Ted Te Talks on all things law and government. In January 10, this year, 2019, the President signed Republic Act 11188, and that is called an act providing for the special protection of children in situations of armed conflict and providing penalties for violations thereof. It's a, as with many laws, this is a very long-winded title, but you're saying there's something very significant about this law. Yes. Uh, it came under the radar. Uh, hardly anyone knew about it. And when it came out, the one thing that was very significant is that there is now a statutory definition of extrajudicial killings. That term itself appears. It is defined under Section 5 of the law, and it is defined very clearly and very specifically as all acts and omissions of state actors that constitute violation of the general recognition of the right to life embodied in international instruments including Universal Declaration of Human Rights, Convention on the Rights of the Child, the Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. So that's why this particular law is very, very important because it contains now this statutory definition of extrajudicial killings or EJKs. You say it contains a definition of EJKs. I'm just curious. Is this also, as far as you know, the first time the very phrase extrajudicial killing is appearing in a Philippine law? To my knowledge, yes. It's the first time it's appearing as part of a law, extrajudicial killings. Previously, it would appear in case law only because the Supreme Court had defined or promulgated the rule on the writ of amparo and habeas data, which were applicable to EJKs and ELKs, extra-legal killings and extrajudicial killings. So yes, this is the first time that it appears and is defined. And it is also defined very clearly as being committed only by state actors. You can understand why you're, you find this very compelling, if not exciting, even purely from a legal and even academic standpoint, because this government in particular, as it's been taken to task on its war on drugs and the extrajudicial killings associated with it, very often they say, hey, teka muna, you keep saying extrajudicial killing, eh, ano ba yung extrajudicial killing? You, and they have said in so many words na, you can't even point to it anywhere in Philippine law. There's no such thing, no such mention in the Philippine Constitution. You cannot point to it in the penal code or anywhere else. Now you're saying this law provides a clear bar and answer and definition to that question. Yes. 
Tama ka. It cannot anymore be claimed that there is no statute, there is no law that defines the phrase. Because now there is. 11188 defines it. And while it is a limited definition, meaning it applies only to the situations covered by this act, which is children in situations of armed conflict, basically international humanitarian law. These are children who are not combatants, but they are caught in the crossfire. But it's significant from that point of view because now you have a law where future laws can be modeled upon. Where future laws can say, let's take the definition of EJ case and incorporate it into this law. And since the president has signed it, then this law now exists. And this law now can be used to define EJ case. You're saying that future laws can branch out from this one provision in this particular law. But can future cases invoke that particular provision even in the absence of those future laws? Kaya na sinabi mo kanina, ang konteksto dito is very clear. It is children caught in situations of conflict. Halimbawa, war in Mindanao or let's say a rebellion or an armed uprising. Pagka nabiktima yung mga bata, this law comes into play. But this particular definition of EJ case included here, can it be invoked in a different context? And let's be clear, this law was not crafted in that context, but can it be invoked in the context of the war on drugs, on Tokhang, on Oplan double barrel? No, because it is a penal statute and therefore it cannot define a crime unless the law expressly says killing arising out of Tokhang, a killing arising out of double barrel, or a killing arising out of the war on drugs is called an extrajudicial killing. So as far as the pending prosecutions, investigations, or even future prosecutions or investigations arising from the war on drugs are concerned, hindi pwedeng gamitin pa ito, itong definition. But the significant part of this law is really that it now clearly states, no, and in very specific terms, that EJKs are now recognized in law. And if, for example, Congress wants to protect victims of the war on drugs now or in the future, no, pwede nilang palitan yung existing laws and say, let's amend it to include the definition in RA 11188 and just insert. If a killing happens under these conditions, then it is an extrajudicial killing. Then this is the remedy. Then this is the violation. It should be easy to do because they've already done it. So let's get into that particular provision. How are EJ case now defined and accepted by the Philippine state? Based on the definition in Section 5L, it is very broad, all acts and omissions. It does not need to be a specifically defined crime. All acts and omissions by a state actor, meaning taong gobyerno, public officer or employee, and as long as they violate the general articles on the right to life under international conventions, Universal Declaration, United Nations Con Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the Convention on the Rights of the Child, and similar human rights treaties to which we are a signatory, then it becomes an extrajudicial killing. So, malawak siya. And so, of course, the test really here is if there is a prosecution that is mounted based on this law. Ang susunod na laban dito ay laban sa korte. If the courts will consider a particular act by a state actor violative of the right to life as an extrajudicial killing. Step by step yan. 
So, yun yung susunod na laban, no? yung interpretation ng, ng batas na ito ng mga hukuman. Okay, so let's just be clear. When you say step by step and uh, next steps, all of the potentially interesting things here, purely in the context of things that will have to happen in the future. There will have to be new laws crafted uh, with this in mind. There will have to be new test cases though upon which those new laws will be tested in the future. So one, you need new laws. And two, this cannot apply to cases that have already happened or charges or even accusations that have been levied against this government or past governments prior to January 10, 2019. Correct? Correct. Because there is a prohibition against ex post facto laws or the application of uh, laws in an ex post facto manner, meaning after the fact. Kung legal siya nung ginawa at hindi na siya legal pagkatapos ng batas na ito, hindi pwedeng umatras yung batas. So, let's take as an example where there is a killing of a child caught in a conflict situation, which is exactly what this law defines. But it happened, let's say, last year, no, 2018, bago naging epektibo tong batas na ito. Hindi mo pwedeng tawagin extrajudicial killing yon. Hindi mo pwedeng parusahan under this law. Because then that would be in violation of the prohibition against ex post facto laws. It involves future cases, definitely. Future prosecutions and it involves future legislation. Yes, but on the other side of it, does this also then categorically say there has never been extrajudicial killings prior to January 10, 2019? From a strictly statutory point of view, that would be correct. Because the statutes do not define extrajudicial killings. No? It is defined in international law, it's established in international law, but from a purely statutory point of view, tama yun. So that's why extrajudicial killings have always been prosecuted as murder no? or multiple murder. But they've never been prosecuted as an EJ case because there is no such thing until this law. So what does that mean for people who have grievances, complaints, who are seeking justice for things that have happened in the past. Does this necessarily mean they have no recourse or you're just saying that the recourse are all the laws that were there before on murder, on homicide, and so on? The recourse would really be the laws existing at that time. Kasi hindi naman talaga nila pwedeng gamitin ito eh. Hindi pwedeng paatras eh. So the laws existing at that time would be murder or all of those laws that affect, let's say, children no, at that time. But EJ case, hindi pwede. So, at that point in time, may remedies naman. Though, of course, people will argue that the remedies are not you know, exactly appropriate. But at that point, wala tayong magagawa. No? That is what the law provides. But moving on, now we have a specific law that defines it very specifically, applying to a very specific situation. And that's a good starting point later on. If the laws change, if they amend the laws and include this, then you will have future prosecutions in other situations outside of children in armed conflict. You emphasize, Karina, that from a statutory standpoint, yes, we have a limited way of looking at this. It cannot be applied retroactively and it can only be applied looking forward, which is exciting enough. But I'm just curious, when you emphasize that from a statutory standpoint, you cannot do this. Is there any other way to look at this other than a statutory context? And are you basically leaving that door open that, you know, in non-statutory context, this will be relevant? And what are those non-statutory contexts that it's not necessarily useless looking backwards? 
Siguro pwede nating tingnan na that justice really is not limited to seeking redress in a court. Maraming paraan. So for example, in a non-statutory context, you have advocacies that can push forward and say, since recognized ng EJ case, then we should continue to to push for recognition of EJ case as a specifically defined offense. So advocacies, may mga rallies, mga letter writing, no, for people to recognize this as a violation of rights. Because outside of cases that can be filed, there still is recourse to justice mechanisms outside of courts. Reforms in law, reforms in processes, no? pwede mangyari yun eh. So that's what I meant by, from a purely statutory point of view, limitado ka. But outside of the statutes, outside of going to court, I think it's quite free. Maraming pwedeng gawin. If you really want recognition of EJ case as a distinct violation of rights, so the rights are recognized almost universally, but do you have a vacuum sa statute? So yun yung gap na ina-address. Okay, now just to tie it all in and to recap, what's really gotten you excited about this is really the words extrajudicial killing for the first time being spelled out in Philippine law. This is no longer some nebulous concept being raised by advocates. This is no longer some phrase that's being thrown around irresponsibly without definition. It is now for the first time in Philippine law with a very clear... Is that a first in the Philippines or does that mark some kind of a milestone even in international criminal justice systems? Or is there in fact a definition of EJ case anywhere else in the world? There are definitions of EJ case in international conventions and statutes and it is recognized. And so, yes, it's a big deal that we've adopted uh, not only the definition but principles of international human rights and humanitarian law in this particular law. That's why it's a significant law Pag binasa po natin siya, no, it really reads like a humanitarian law instrument. There are prohibitions against hamleting, there are prohibitions against forced evacuation, internal displacement. It's quite a significant and remarkable law. And that's why it was surprising that it really you know, went under the radar. Halos hindi napansin, halos walang sumulat, halos walang nagkomento, no? halos walang nagsalita about this. This law was authored and sponsored by Senator Risa Ontiveros. Where can people go, look at the, at the law that was passed? Uh, so that they can study it well on their own? Well, I think it is available on the website of the Senate and I think in the official Gazette online. Uh, it should be because it has been signed already by the President. As soon as a bill is signed by the President, it is uploaded to the official Gazette online, which is managed by the Office of the President. Huwag kalimutan mag-subscribe sa Puma Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to TED Talks on Puma Podcast. Just search for us on Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Ako po si Robbie Alampay. This episode was produced by Katrina Ventura and edited by Nico Bolante. Maraming salamat po. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.